Hey, this is Scotty Vermillion. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Daniel Boone podcast today. We would like to invite you to worship with us at Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. Or you can join us on Facebook for live sermons and daily interactions that will keep you in touch with God and in step with His kingdom. Well, good morning. Good to see everybody. Uh, We're going to pray in a few minutes. We're going to let them sing first and uh, worship a little bit. But I wanted to read you Psalm 63.1. It says, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. Do you know that many of the problems that we face throughout a day can be solved right there? You know that? True story. I've experienced it, and I know you have too. Early I will seek you. First thing. It says, My soul thirsts for you. Remember, we're a physical, we got a soul, that's our mind, our feelings, our emotions, and then we have a spirit that is made alive in Christ. Isn't that cool? And so when we are saved, God's whole, the Holy Spirit moves in, but it says that my soul thirsts for you, and then it says my flesh longs for you. Do you feel the tension in your flesh? Yeah, amen, me too. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I feel like some days for me personally, and I don't know if it's you, if you feel this way either, as well, but I feel like I'm walking through a dry and thirsty land and there's no water and I'm constantly searching for whatever it is to fill my soul. Y'all ever feel that way? And so Psalm 63, 1 says, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Okay. If you don't mind, I'm just going to go ahead and pray because I got a lot of scripture and then uh, I usually try to pray over it, but I'm not sure where the Lord's going with that, okay? So let's just go ahead and pray and ask Him to bless this time. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. God, I pray you'd help me to present it as good as you gave it to me. Lord, I know that's impossible, but if, if, if you would, use my lips, use my tongue, use my stories and my experience, and I pray that you'd draw everybody here and everyone listening online, I pray you'd draw the, the water up from that well of life that springs from you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Again, I don't want to over-spiritualize things, but I think we've all made some progress, you know, and I think in walking with the Lord, uh, we... From time to time, while we're making progress, raise your hand. I, I want to know who, if I'm, raise your hand if you feel like the, as I'm making progress, I also find new resistance and struggle. Anybody? Things pop up and it's like, where is this coming from? You know, and there's a, there are many reasons why that happens. So I, I can't give you the exact reason. The, the Bible is full and it's a living word and it, and and every piece of this word there's a part in there for you that will address your situation but I want to get you I want to give you a thought today okay I just want to give you a thought I believe that somebody within the sound of my voice because the Lord gave it to me I believe somebody's making progress but you're finding yourself with some heavy resistance some struggle and it might be coming from some crazy places. You're, experienced, you're experiencing increased warfare. And this is just a preface to, our, to the Word today. I want to give you 
one reason, one reason why this happens. Do you remember in the Old Testament when Joseph went to Egypt? Remember, he was sold. And then a famine came later, and his brothers come looking for food. And so that, re, that union caused them to meet up in Egypt, and then they spent 430 years in Egypt because that's where they escaped to when they were in need, when they had a famine in their life, and we're going to talk about famine today. But eventually God used Moses to deliver his people out of Egypt, and Moses is a type of Christ. You need to remember that. It's an example in the Old Testament of a Savior. Moses led his people out of Egypt, and then they wandered, if you remember, in the wilderness for 40 years because of their unbelief. Not because they had necessarily, um, not because they weren't saved, if you want to bring it to a New Testament spiritual spot in your mind. It wasn't because they weren't children of God or didn't believe. It was because of their unbelief that they wandered and were stuck. Okay? And so when they began to leave, when, when God finally drew them out, and you remember in the wilderness, he gave them manna to eat. And manna was never supposed to be completely satisfying. It was supposed to help them function and give them sustenance while they were in their wilderness, but it was never supposed to be the grapes of Canaan. See, God has promises, and this you I don't want to over-spiritualize it for you, but I want you to hear me. God's promise for you and for me are like the grapes and the figs of Canaan. Huge blessing, huge abundance of prosperous things for us. But we so so often settle in, in the wilderness because of unbelief. And so when they started leaving the wilderness, okay? Actually, when they started leaving Egypt, I said the wilderness, let's back up. When they started leaving Egypt, they got to this place called what? Do you remember? The red what? The Red Sea. And that's what this symbolizes for you. And they had decisions to make, just like we do, each and every day. When you get to a Red Sea in your walk, an impossibility, I don't know what to do next, that kind of thing. And I think some, some of you are there now, and I believe I, I'm there a lot too. But you're wondering why the enemy, Pharaoh and his soldiers, why are they, attack, why are they coming after us? They let us go. And then they realized, oh, my goodness, what are we doing? And then in chapter 14 of Exodus, I ran across this this week, and it blessed me. Because we often question God, don't we? I ain't going to say raise your hand, but I'm going to say this. Some of you started coming to church asking God to really teach you, and then something bad happened. Or something that may cause you to question whether or not it really is God pulling me, you know? And this encouraged me. Exodus 14, 4. This goes right up to the point where he told Moses to have them camp outside the Red Sea, just have them stop and camp. And that's when Pharaoh and his lookout folks saw, saw them camping and thought, <laughs> yeah, they can't go anywhere. They're bewildered. They're stuck. And Moses says something to them and says, take a good look. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. And then God corrects him just a little bit because he tells them just to stand. And God corrects them. But here's why the Egyptians started to pursue the Israelites, the children of God, you and me. This is why the enemy pursues us sometimes. I can't give you an all-the-time thing. 
It's because we're close to our destiny. And the enemy is losing you. Now, that's important for you to know that. Because when we get saved, we think that, you know, paved roads and golden streets and all that. Well, that's true. Your eternity is sealed. But the enemy doesn't like it. And this is what God says in Exodus 14, 4. He says, then I, God, will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Do you know why they pursued the Israelites? God never had it had it planned for them to, to overtake the Israelites, never. He pursued them so that the Israelites would fill it and keep going. You know what I'm talking about? And keep going. It's like when you got a 10-point lead, instead of relaxing, we always say, put your foot on their throat. Keep going. You hear what I'm saying? And look what he says in verses 15 and 16. He says, and the Lord said this to Moses, why do you cry out to me? He said, tell the children of Israel to go forward. Tell them to go forward. And so some of you are a little, you're a little bit conflicted in your mind and me too, because you're moving, there's progress, but I keep getting this crazy resistance that just keeps cropping up. And I believe that God sent me here today to tell you that that is from the enemy and he don't like it that you're almost free. You're almost free. Keep going. Today's title is Secret to survival and we're going to be in Luke chapter 15 and that was just an intro not even to the message it was just something God gave me late last night to give you sometimes when we're closest to our destiny we experience the most warfare secret to survival Luke chapter 15 Jesus is teaching his disciples what the kingdom of heaven is about. And I'm going to read it to you. I'm in the New King James Version. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11, says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, that's a foreign land, It's a place that he was never supposed to be in. Journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Verse 14, but when he had spent all, remember this, when he had spent all, when he had used up everything he had, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. It's crazy the things we'll do in search of peace, happiness, joy, fulfillment, all that stuff that, you know, in school we teach our kids to be progressive, to be aggressive, to be, you know, seeking self. We really teach them that. Uh, Seeking prosperity. But it's crazy what we go to. It says he... He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and, and he sent him into his fields to feed, feed pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the food, the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father... 
I have sinned against heaven and before you. Confession is a big part of, uh, repentance is a big part of moving uh, in the right direction toward the Father. It says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off. See, I've, I've always read that no one comes to the father unless the father draws him. What did, what did the father use to draw the prodigal son? Did anybody catch it? A famine. He used a famine to draw the son. I'm going to go back to that in a few minutes. It says, then when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. Let me ask you another question. Yes, the father must draw you. But do we have a part in it? We do, don't we? See, that's the challenge for me, and it's taken me years, and I still don't get it sometimes because there's stuff that God says I need for you to remove from your life in order for you to experience the grapes of Canaan. You see what I mean? We have a part to play. It says when he he arose and came to his father, he went in the direction of his father. He went back from the foreign land to his father. Now think about that. It says, and it says when he saw him, he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Did the father point at him and say, you wasted everything I gave you? He sure didn't. And so many of us stay stuck for decades, I'm even going to say, because we carry around condemnation that God never intended for us to carry around. He don't point his pointy finger at us, and you need to remember that. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24, and I'm going to back up. And today in the message, or with the message, I'm going to expound on this one verse. Luke 15, 14 says, but when he had spent all, and here's what this means for me and for you. When we've done everything that we possibly can do to get to a place in our life where we think we're supposed to be, that's going to find peace and joy and contentment and satisfaction and prosperity and all that stuff. When we spent all that we had, it says there arose a severe famine. And when we think about, I talk about a lot, and I don't mean to, but drug addiction and and sin addiction, let's just call it sin addiction, that's where they get to, a place where there is nothing and there's a famine in their life. Me too. It says, when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. So my question to somebody today is, are you in a famine And a famine can be all kinds of different things. And I'm going to take today, and I'm going to give you seven secrets to surviving the famine. Now, God doesn't want us to stay there. Just like the prodigal son, he used the famine to make him want something more. Some of you may be there. You want something more. God will use the famine And so I want to look at this verse, surviving a famine. I'm going to give you seven ways. But sometimes in a famine, 
No, let me say it this way. Sometimes in a situation, and this is the first one, unless you understand what you're in, you know what I mean? Like if you're in a tornado, this will be easy to understand, and you're in the middle of it, you're not experiencing what's going on around you, but you aren't stuck in the middle of a tornado. You know what I mean? And a lot of times uh, we as Christians will get ourselves stuck in the middle of a tornado because there's some peace right there in the middle of it, but you're surrounded by chaos. You know what I mean? And so I think it's important for us to understand what we're in. Let's talk about a famine and understand why it's there. A famine can be physical. It can be, you know, you're just, you just continue to hit physical sickness, physical ailments, things you can't conquer physically. It can be spiritual. You know, we all experience a certain amount of spiritual famine from time to time. It can be relational. This one's easy to see. If you desire a relationship that is according to God's plan, you'll have that yearning inside of you. But as long as you keep going to the wrong relationships to try to fill that hole, you'll constantly find yourself in want. You hear what I'm saying? So maybe you're in a relational famine maybe a financial famine if you if you keep borrowing money to pay off debt you're going to continue to be deeper and deeper in debt you see what i'm saying and that's just an example but when you think about your situation you need to understand what a famine is and how does god use a famine and i'm going to read some stuff that i wrote down god will use a famine in your life to get you into a position of your purpose that's important for you to understand that. He did the same here. He did this for the prodigal son. He used a famine. And I want you to understand that the famine creates a dissatisfaction. And if I say, how many of you are dissatisfied with your life from time to time? I don't mean all the time. I just mean sometimes. Most of you would raise your hand and say, yeah, I find myself there. I'm dissatisfied. A famine will create a dissatisfaction that will move you forward in search of what feels. Now, here's, what, here's where we mess up. And I do it too. We all do it. Is we begin to fill those things with the most readily available objects that we can find. And what I'm saying is like the world is constantly putting it in front of our face. The enemy is, is crafty. He, can, he knows how to do that. He'll cause you sometimes to research something that the doctor says you might have so that you can figure out how to treat something that the doctor says you might have instead of going to God and say, God, I release this to you. And you lead me in the right direction. And if this is where I'm at, I trust you with it. Put me in front of the right people and release it. You got to know what's going on as far as your famine. Now listen to this. This is important. And this is a warning. Your appetite for the wrong stuff is unfillable. You'll never, ever, ever become satisfied. And I know that for a fact because the Bible tells me that. And I've experienced it myself. Raise your hand. Anybody else experienced that? Your appetite for the wrong stuff is unfillable. Unfillable. When the Father has an unlimited amount of what you actually truly crave. And, and, and you've, we've experienced that from time to time. So if you found yourself wandering in a foreign land, come back to the Father. That's what happened in Luke chapter 15. And so point number one, you need to understand what you're in. You need to know when you're going to things that don't fill, you need to look deeper and say, why am I going to these things that are not filling me? And God will help you. It's crazy how he helps you. 
How did he help the Israelites when they got to the Red Sea and said, here we are free at last to drown in the sea? How did he help them? He took what was in Moses' hand, what he'd already given Moses, and he, and he parted the Red Sea. Isn't that crazy? See, God, God's just still in the miracle working business. And you all know he is. Some of you have gotten reports before, and then when you go back after you prayed, you, the doctor was like, I'm not sure what happened right here. Some of y'all have experienced that, you know, and me too. And I've told you stories about that. But number one, understand the famine. Number two, this is important because here, this is where the rubber meets the road. The first thing you want to do when you're experiencing this type of depravity in life is jump ship. Last week we talked about it in Acts 27 uh, when Paul told, uh, uh, remember Paul told the, the soldiers that were on the ship, if you jump ship, you're going to die. What seemed to be an escape route, the skiff on the side, what he said you need to cut those things away. And last week I told you, some of you need to cut away what you think is going to be the escape route out of your situation. If God's not called you out of a situation, and sometimes he does, then you need to stay on the boat. And I'm going to say it like this, stay in the game. Stay in the game. Don't jump ship. The only way you can survive is to stay on the vessel. And I'm going to talk about coaching for just a little bit. Sometimes a part of that is this. I'm going to read 1 Peter 5.10. And then I'm going to expound on something. The Bible says, But may the God of all grace who called us to eternal glory in Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. There is a purpose in suffering. And it's not so you'll lay down and just pray that it leaves. Sometimes suffering is almost like a famine. Suffering will produce things in us that will cause us to move forward in our walk with the Lord. And it might be that he's just trying to grow our faith. It's possible. But it might be that he's trying to grow something else in your life. Okay? And so we need to stay in the game in order to experience that. i got to give you a story. It's funny. It's hilarious. But it, God reminded me of it. We were down 24 points in the second half at Daniel Boone just a couple, just a few years ago. Some of you were at that game. We couldn't do anything right. We tried and tried everything. And you know, if if you, I've never taught defense this way, but we we decided to put our center John Sally on their point guard. Crazy, right? And we told Sally, "Don't guard him. Get behind him." And it took him a few possessions to be like, Coach, are you serious? Get behind him and chase him to the rim. Because you remember that, Eli? Chase, I said, just chase him to the rim. Just let him know you're behind him and run him to the rim. And the dude started going in there and throwing up the craziest off-balance shots. Didn't hit any of them. We go from down 24. They never figured it out. So we were up with just about six or seven seconds. No, it was 11 seconds. We were up two. Okay, and it all happened because we did something just crazy like and that's really what splitting the Red Sea was is just a crazy thing. What's God calling you to do? I'm not sure, but I just believe he's going to come through. And and then I started coaching. Then I started thinking we lost the game. And I'm going to tell you why, because we're in a timeout and it's their ball on the sideline. We're up to they're on their sideline. And I never do this, but I did it because somebody said at one time this might work. This is a good tactic, but it wasn't. I, we went zone. Yeah, y'all remember it? 
Anybody remember it? And Brad Dean looks at me in timeout, and he was like, he starts shaking his head, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to do it. You know, we're going to do it. I overthought the situation, you see. What we should have done was just stuck with what got us there. Sometimes in this walk of, of life, too, we overthink things. They hit a three. We didn't guard them. It was awful. We lost. But sometimes we overthink it. You know what I'm saying? And Dave and I talk about this all the time, and he gave me some advice a while back. He said, just sit still. Just sit still. Just wait on God. And that was great advice because, listen, when my soul is in chaos, does anybody understand this, this place I'm talking about? I want to jump out of my skin, curse, but I'm, not, I'm trying not to do that. By the way, when, you, when stuff from the old man starts rising up in you, you know that's from the enemy, not from God, and you're a little bit off center, you know. But I want to just go crazy. You know, not literally curse, but you understand what I'm saying. I just want to lose my mind and fix it. And sometimes we just need to sit still. And that's where we were at in that game. But point number three is this. And it's important that you surround yourself with the right people. Point number three is you need to listen for his voice. Now, I'm going to go back to coaching because this is very powerful. And any great coach understands this. And I want you to think about it in your relationship with Christ and listening for his voice. It, it takes a year or so if you've got a really talented young player it takes a year or so to train them to not listen to their daddy's voice anymore in the, in the gym or their mama's voice. You have to train them to listen to your voice. You see what I mean? Because and I told my guys, I'll tell you, if we're going to win, it's going to be according to the plan that our staff, myself, whatever, have put together. It's our best chance of winning. And, and I'll just be and I'm honest with them. Like, I don't know how to do this other stuff. Some people do. I don't. This is all I know how to do. Is this system right here. And so you have to train them to listen for your voice. And when you get in that game, and y'all know what I'm talking about, the battle at the end, the big one, the big test in life, the challenges in life, when you get in that, you need to be conditioned to hear your father's voice. Because you're going to have voices come against you. I just said Pharaoh's attacking you from behind because he knows he's about to lose you. And so he's going to be throwing all kinds of voices at you. You need to be able to listen for his voice. And I'm going to give you an example uh, of that real quick. I wrote down, you need to listen intentionally, intentionally, intentionally for God's voice, especially when you can't see where you're going. Especially when you can't see. Because here's the deal. I trust the one who can see where I'm going. Any great coach teaches from a perspective that they know. Y'all, get? Did y'all catch that? Any great leader teaches from a perspective of a place they've been before. So if I start teaching and coaching from a place that I've never been before, then I'm just feeling out in the dark, and I'm like, I, I'm leading the blind. It's the blind leading the blind. You've heard that before. Don't follow blind people. Not physically blind. I'm talking about spiritually blind. You got to listen for his voice. Huge part of, of getting through the famine. Huge part. I kind of give you an example. There are some things in this life that just can't be done any other way than what God's, God prescribes. True? If he says it, it has to be this way. Like forgiveness is one of those things. You can work, try to work through all that stuff, but the moment you forgive, 
then all those little things that you've been trying to deal with and work around and put up with, when you really determine in your heart to realize that people are imperfect and crazy and they're going to make bad decisions and forgive them and move forward, it frees you up. I'll give you an example. In talking about uh, listening, for, uh, listening for his voice, we were in a state championship game, and y'all know Mac McClung? Does anybody know him? Okay, so, so he, after the game, I, I'd always dreamed of being up 10 to 15 at the end and sitting down and just, just breathing. You know what I mean? Breathing in, breathing out, and just like, we're getting ready to win this thing. David knows the feeling. We're getting ready to win this thing. But you didn't get that. You didn't get that cushion. <laughs> you had the celebration, which I didn't get. But uh, last second shot, by the way. That was awesome, wasn't it? Anyway, so I'm sitting there, and after the game, I'm like, man, Mac, thanks, man. That's what I always dreamed of. I said, did you know the score? He's, I, I said, you know the score to end? He's like, I had no idea. I had no idea. I said, what do you mean you didn't know? He said, I didn't, I didn't know we'd won until I dunked that last one. And then I looked over at you guys, and I could tell it was over. And I said, are you serious? So I get in a conversation with him, and it reminded me, I was thinking of it this week when I was studying that even as a Christian, okay, I'm going to take you to a sweet spot, and this is going to help somebody. If I will get more focused on what I'm doing, the process that God's put me in right now, and quit worrying about the score, quit worrying about how I feel, Quit worrying about how somebody else feels. Somebody told me this week, and it was an awesome word, said, I got to stop worrying about other people's happiness because it's ruining mine. <laughs> you know, isn't that, so, isn't that so true? And that's what he said. He said, Coach, I was, because when we had lost, we lost a couple games prior to that, and it was because we were just playing selfish and, and, and doing things that were just, you can't do and win. And when we focus on the process, and that's just an example from my history. You have them too. When you focus on the process and then it's over and you look up and you see how the Lord's delivered you in so many ways because of the process that you put into your character or into your habits. Getting up every morning, I read it to you, Psalms 63.1. Get up every morning and start the day with Him and you'll avoid some stuff just because you asked Him to come in and guide you. You understand that? So we have to listen for His voice. This one's huge. Number four. Go to Exodus 16, and I think I've got it. This says, gather enough for now, and I'm going to go back to it. Gather enough for now. Who, who, who wakes up in the middle of the night sometimes, I want to see your hand, with concerns and worries about the next day? This is crazy, but I woke up last night at 4.30, and I usually don't do this. Reagan will tell you, I'm a guy that sometimes I just don't even, I don't even think about it until I get to it. He's a planner. He and I are best friends, right, Reagan? Planner. He is, he's a planner. He's got vacation scheduled for the next three years, and I'm not sure what I'm wearing tomorrow. But he knows what he's wearing. Now, long, we joke about it, but, but like I woke up worrying about work on Monday and a little piece of work that really is not even important. And that was the enemy trying to get my mind off what I'm supposed to give you today. The Bible says, that or it teaches that God's grace overflows and it, it, it will cover you each and every day. There's enough for you today. It's like manna. 
Y'all remember the story? They're in the wilderness and they're complaining and God gives them manna. He rains it down from heaven. When the dew would lift in the mornings, there it would be, little sweet honey wafers. But the wafers, after the sun come up, would melt and be gone. And if they tried to store them up like we do in the fridge, they would mold and grow worms. It's the craziest thing. And what he was teaching them was, I'll give you enough. Give us this day our daily bread. And what you and I would do well to do is when we wake up and start worrying about what's getting ready to go on or what's going to happen at this doctor's appointment or, or what's going to happen when I talk to this person today or will they ever forgive me or will I ever get better or will I ever get free, focus on getting up, starting with God, and, and look for your daily bread. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 16, verse, starting in verse 15. It says, so when the children of Israel saw it, the manna, they said to one another, what is it? That's what manna actually means. What is it? Interpreted. Okay, translated, interpreted. What is it? And that tells me that sometimes God will provide for you in a way that you, you couldn't possibly even know how it happened. And it might come from somebody you don't even know. And it might from come, come from somebody you don't like. You know what I mean? They said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. He's taking care of you. Even in your unbelief, he's taking care of you. Even in your disobedience, he's going to take care of you. Even when we've walked as far away as we possibly can from God, he's still going to take care of you. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person according to the number of persons. And I love this part, men. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. We have a responsibility for people who are in our tent. Do you know that? Verse 17, then the children of Israel did so and gathered. Some gathered more, some gathered less. And so when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left. And he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And so I just want you to remember, when you're in this spot of worry, anxiety, and how's this going to happen, just gather enough for now. Make it through this day and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. All right, next, evaluate your need meters. And this is an important thing for you to do. Evaluating your need, meter, need meters. Where do you run or to whom do you go or to what do you turn when you are vulnerable? And you need an accountability partner that can tell when you're vulnerable because you can't always see yourself. Where do you go when you're vulnerable and looking for an escape? Remember the guys in the boat last week? They were looking to escape and they saw the skiff, which looked like a great escape route, but it wasn't. It was actually going to lead to their death. And so they had to cut the skiffs away, the skate boats, so that, so that they no longer have that option. Here's how I think we should live life like this, focused on God's purpose. But we also should have a peripheral, obviously, so we can see the attacks of the enemy. Evaluate your need meters. And here's what I mean by that. Listen closely. Finding help in one season, going to Egypt, to find food for the famine could lead to slavery in the next. It's like turning to alcohol when you have a problem and then the second problem you create is worse than the first problem. And so now you've got to deal with both of them. You hear what I'm saying? And so be careful 
where you go to get your needs met. God has an abundance of need meters. And what you're doing today is important by getting around other need people who are in need. Church is important. This is not all you need to do, though. There's a whole lot more. This is a place of rest and hopefully getting fed. But evaluate your need meters. And then uh, number six, feed on what fills you. Who feels better, a little better spiritually when they leave here? Anybody? I do. I mean, this is important for me. I feel a little better. And when I started this preaching thing, it was odd and new to me. I was like, what is it? You know, <laughs> what is this? But I told Leanne yesterday, I was like, man, I, I genuinely now desire this. And I, don't, I, I tried for decades to desire it, but I didn't. I just faked it. You know what I mean? It wasn't that I wasn't saved. I just didn't really want to eat it. But now I want to eat it. And it's, it's like once you find what feels, then feed on that. Whatever that is, if it's good, feed on that. Stop feeding yourself with stuff. Listen to me on this one. We call those quick fixes. Stop feeding yourself on stuff that leaves you in worse shape than you were from the start. You got it? Stop feeding yourself with stuff that makes you feel worse in the end. And then lastly, another secret to survival is to let go of your expectations. Now, that may, that may sound odd to a business world. You know, you set your goals, you put your plans in place, and you here's where we're going to end. But I believe for the believer, expectations that you place on yourself, expectations that you place on other people, especially those close to you, and listen, thirdly, expectations you place on God can hinder growth. It can hinder growth. I have to hit reset every day. I didn't get done Friday when I need to get Friday. Guess what? I'll get it done Monday. If I don't get it done Monday, I'm going to get it done Tuesday. If I don't get it done Tuesday, it may not get done. But if it's, if it's pressing and important, we'll eventually get it done. But I've got to quit putting expectations on people because people can never make me happy. And people will never make you happy either. And so there's some secrets to survival when you're in a famine. And so my question to you today is, where are you? Because you need to have a healthy perspective or a healthy awareness of where you are. If you're lost and in Egypt, don't know him, then all that, none of this is going to work. Because your spirit is dead. And you're just going to be conflict management. That's it. You're in a mess, and all you're going to try to do is uh, uh, fix the symptoms. But once you accept the Lord and Jesus delivers you from bondage, don't get stuck in the wilderness, which is where most Christians live. Do you know that? Myself included. Most of us live saved and stuck and never experience the abundant grapes of Canaan. We truly, really don't. And so where are you today? And that's my question to you as we close. Where are you? And I want to take you back. The Lord is causing the enemy to pursue you or allowing the enemy to pursue you. If you don't believe me, if you don't think that God doesn't use the enemy, you're wrong. Because remember when when uh, Jesus said to Peter that Satan has asked for you, Peter, to sift you? Look it up. And Jesus said, but I prayed for you, Peter. Job, there's another one. That I sift you. The Lord's allowed some things in our lives that I don't really like necessarily. But I know that in this famine, this period of time where I can't see through it, I believe that God's drawn me back to himself. And that's for some of you uh, and some watching as well. And so in Exodus chapter 14, we see that, that God says, go forward. And as we step into the sea, you remember the rivers of Jordan, the Jordan River? When the 
the, the foot of the priest hit the water, that's when it parted. It didn't part. All of us can go if it's parted already. It's the step of faith to put your foot in the water to see the waters part. Bow your heads with me, please. Wherever God has you today, He has you for a purpose. And I believe that He wants you to move forward. And so by, uh, by a show of hands, who in this room would ask that, that God would see your hand go up and that I, would, I just want to pray for you that you, give you some help to move forward? Anybody? Amen. Good. Yes. Hands all over. And so, God, we see, we see that uh, or we have heard that you, you require of us to take that step forward and you invite us to do so. And as we do, we'll see Red Seas Park. So many of us are stuck in the wilderness. And Lord, if there's somebody here that don't know you, God, I pray today after church that you would put it on their heart to find me. And let's walk through that. It's as simple as just accepting you as Savior, the work you did on the cross, and confessing that. Lord, last Sunday we confessed it with, a, with baptism. We made it public. Then we thank you for those people. We pray your continued increase on this church and on these people. And I pray that you'd help us to grow spiritually. But God, many of us are in battles today. Some in battles you never intended for us to fight. But God, we're asking right now that you meet us there. And that you show us the next step, which direction to go. Help us to survive the famines of our own life. God, help us to do small, take small steps this week that will benefit our deliverance from bondage. We love you. We thank you. We ask that you continue to bless this church and bless the people here and ask that you would help us to go out and actually be an encouragement. Lord, help us to send the words that we hear from you. Help us to send that forth to other people. That's our prayer and our desire. Lord, I pray that you would hear our words of thanks and praises uh, as you did earlier, earlier today. And as we go throughout our situations this week, Lord, let us never... Uh, be slow to thank you for where you deliver us. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.